Revolution. Hey, welcome to Truth Revolution. I'm Pastor Jeff from Revolution Church. So glad you're joining us today. We have a very special guest with us today. We're going to be talking about suffering and evil and what God is doing because our guest today actually has been diagnosed with cancer. He is Dr. Clay Jones. He's the chairman of the board of Ratio Christi. He's a visiting professor, visiting scholar to Talbot Theological Seminary, an author. If you listen to our show a lot, you've already heard him. We've brought him out to our church to talk. We have brought him out to a leadership conference, and he's on the show quite a bit. Dr. Clay Jones has, has now, now think about this, he, he's been diagnosed with cancer right now, but he's previously been on our show, and I'm going to read you some of the show titles. The Problem of Evil with Dr. Clay Jones. Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People with Dr. Clay Jones. Uh, Immortal, Our Terrible Fear of Death by Dr. Clay Jones. He's written a book about the fear of death. He's written books about why God allows evil. Dr. Jones, thank you so much for joining us today. A pleasure to be with you again, Jeff. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got, the, the, got those two books right behind you there, actually, Immortal, about fear of death, and why, why does God allow evil? Those are really good books, really impactful. Um, the the stuff that you've shared from your heart and the theology. The, the thing I like about the way you write and teach is that you're very theologically sound, but you're also one of the most practical teachers I've ever had in my life. Yay. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You just, you, you just lay it out there. And so today, as we talk about uh, your cancer diagnosis and uh, the suffering that you've gone through, uh, I, I know you're just going to be straightforward with us. So yeah. uh, for, first, why don't you just go ahead and give us a, a little update. How did you find out you had cancer and where are you at with it right now? Physically? Well, what happened was, is in November, uh, I could tell that my pulse was wrong. It was too fast. And so I took it. I took my pulse here at home and it was like 155 hmm. And uh, while well, I was sitting down. Um, so we have a friend who's an emergency room doctor at a local hospital and, uh, we, uh, Jeannie's watch, she has a smart watch can actually take a, um, EKG. She took an EKG and we sent it to him and he looked at it and went, uh, very, very calmly, uh, you need to go to the emergency room now. And, uh, because what I was having was, was called, is called AFib, atrial mm. fib fibrillation where your heart just starts beating off and it just starts beating like crazy. Well, anyway, <clears throat> so I'm in the, the, after eight hours of sitting in the emergency room, they finally took me back and, uh, uh, they gave me some drugs to calm my heart down. And, uh, and I've been on drugs to do that, but they did a scan of my abdomen and stuff. And, and, uh, well, when they did the scan, they found a, uh, mass on my liver and, that made them go, huh, wonder what that's about. So the next thing you know is they, they, I do further scans and they finally did a PET scan January 10th. And the PET scan uh, revealed that I had cancer in my, in some cancer in my bones, in my lung wow. and in my, uh, on, on my liver. So then the odyssey begins. Bottom line is I was diagnosed as having uh, stage four cancer. Uh, I met with uh, two, um, oncologist this week, one at Cedar sinai in Los Angeles, and then my my medical oncologist that's near me uh, yesterday, and I met also with a spine specialist on Wednesday. It's been a busy week. Mm. They aren't sure what kind of cancer I have, is, which is weird. <clears throat> if it's the kind of cancer they think I have, there's only one other known uh, instance in medical literature. So uh, wow. that makes it interesting. But one of the things is, is I feel good. 
thankfully, because of the AFib leading to the scans, they caught this before it was causing me any symptoms. Oh. So, which is a very, very good thing. Uh, so, so in other words, I think they caught it a lot earlier than they would have if I'd actually been was being caused some serious symptoms. So anyway, yeah. even, uh, even though it's stage four, it's yeah. still, you still caught it fairly early. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, it would have been good to catch yeah. it even earlier than huh. that. But, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting though. I just, they put me, uh, about nine weeks ago, they put me on chemo and it was kind of like, well, we're not sure what it is. It's probably lung cancer. We'll put you on chemo. And, uh, uh, six weeks in, I took another PET scan and all of the activity of all of the various, uh, lesions in my body, all of them, the activity level went down, was cut almost by half in all of them. And that was only through half the course of the chemo. In other words, the chemo is this 12 week course. I was, this is only six weeks in and, uh, the chemo had cut it in half. Uh, the doctor I saw yesterday says, you know, God knows all things because if we had thought this wasn't lung cancer, we wouldn't have used this chemo. Oh, wow. And so they're amazed uh, that this chemo is working as well as it is. And uh, he, my local oncologist is working with Cedar sinai and to a certain extent with UCI uh, and uh, the pathologists and oncologists and He's putting together a team to go. So, what's the next thing we should that we should do here? And he told me yesterday. Told Jeannie and I. He says, "Wow." He says, uh, uh, "I've spent more time on you than I care to m mention." You know, it's like I've spent more time on me than in, in several of his other patients combined because this is. And they're they're actually pretty excited about it in, in the sense that, it, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's it's a puzzle. Yeah, well, let's sure. figure it out. You know, and so uh, yeah, for and you, I it's love life and death. But for them, it's like this interesting <clears throat> medical case they've never seen before. Oh, and they're probably thinking they're going to be able to write a journal article, publish an article on it, <laughs> right. and that's fine. You know, so I'm good. But anyway, I feel good. Uh, you know, I mean, but it's very interesting to know that you have a deadly disease going on in you, and and I don't know. You know, when's this? When when is it going to actually kill me? I don't know. You know, I mean, it, hmm. <clears throat> I don't speculate, and that's one of the things that we'll talk about. And, you know, as we yeah. get in further into the program, but now some of your books and some of the shows that you've done with us before, um, you, you talk about the fear of death or why does God allow evil? So you've processed a lot of this ahead of really? time. Do yes. you, but now that like you are in it yourself, like all the way in it, do you feel like God has been, or, or do you feel like what you're going through is unusual or, or it's unfair to you because you've lived your life for Christ? You know, uh, we, Jeannie and I have come up with seven truths and these seven truths, uh, we, I mean, I had, I was diagnosed with a fatal cancer 19 years ago, uh, turned out the biopsy was misdiagnosed, but anyway, I did have cancer, but the biopsy was misdiagnosed, but there's something, so I'm 19 years ago in January, I'm walking down I just found out that I had a mass on my spine and I'm walking down a hospital corridor to get an M MRI and it was January and it was cold and it was kind of damp and dark and I'm not a morning person. And then I looked at the walls and I thought they were just ugly. And, uh, and I said to the Lord, I said, why me? And uh, I wasn't complaining and mm -hmm. you, people can take that or not. Uh, but I was not complaining. I was just curious. Why me? Here question. I am 47 
You know, I mean, this is 19 years ago. Here I'm 47, and all of a sudden I've been, you know, diagnosed as having bone cancer. Why? Why me? Immediately, actually, I only said why me once. Immediately, the words came to mind. Everyone's going to go through this, and I got it immediately. Uh, and and I'm now going to say to uh, everybody watching this, uh, I've got news. It's not necessarily it's comforting. <laughs> When it happens to you, it's not necessarily comforting now, but every single one of you, unless you die young, is going to go through what I'm going through. Every one of you. Mm. Uh, like, I, I don't mean young, die suddenly. Unless suddenly. you die suddenly, everyone's going to go through what I'm going through. Everyone is going to get be walking down a doctor's office corridor wondering whether they're going to get life-ending news. Everyone's going to, you're going to die of cancer or heart disease, stroke, dementia, whatever, but unless you die suddenly, you're going to die of one of those things. And mm. so that was actually very, very helpful to me uh, and Jeannie to realize we're not alone in this. Everybody's going to go through this. Yeah. And in a way, I feel like I'm helping some people think through these thoughts before they go through it because that's important. And boy, I'll tell you, everybody, I'd, I'd read, I know it sounds terribly self-serving, but I'd read Why Does God Allow Evil before you go into a crisis because it'll give you kind of, okay, I see what's going on. It gives you a framework. Yeah. But but and here's the scripture that goes with that. First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen, and just the first line. There's no temptation or trial because the Greek word means both. Can mean temptation or trial depending on the context. There's no temptation or trial taking you, but such as is common to man. In other words, you're not. You know, I mean, everybody's going to go through this kind of thing, and just the realization of that really helped a lot. And wow. so I don't, uh, I don't do why me. Uh, but, um, anyway, so, because that's, I, because it's, well, everybody's going through it. So that's that, true. Everybody that's, is going through that. And everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes as a pastor, um, when I'm trying to get my people to think more long-term about eternity and how short our lives are and how, you know, our life really is suffering now, but in eternity, it will be glorious. So that's right. one of the things I'll say to them is, you know, everyone is going to live and die. You're going to live 50, 60 years. If you're really unlucky, maybe in 80 or 90 years. And I'm only half joking because, yeah, right. uh, you know, eternity is, is a long, long, long time. But but this whole life, really suffering is a part of everything it's we rough. do. Everything. You you know, I mean, and honestly, suffering is good for us because it helps us realize that we need to focus on eternity hmm. because I, the people I really pity uh, and I write about that in Immortal, uh, are the ones who don't have any sense of eternal life in Jesus. I really, I feel mm. sad for them, but yeah, well, everybody's going to go through this. You're going through a whole lot right now. What encourages you about the um, amount of suffering you're going through? Like what encouragement do you have in that? Well, you know, uh, when it comes to the amount of suffering, because I sit there and go, wow, I've got AFib and I've got metastasized cancer. And they don't really know what, I mean, thankfully, thank God that it was a gift from the Lord that the chemo they put me on, they didn't know. Uh, it were, it's working. Yeah. Um, but thank, I thank the Lord for that. But, but you know, one of the things that I think we need to do in this kind of situation, and I know it's helpful to people, and I'll give you a couple of examples in a moment, is to think about how hard others have had it. Mm. Uh, I'm not being tortured to death in the arena. Uh, I... Um, I am not Richard Warmbrand, who founded Voice of the Martyrs, who spent 14 years in communist prisons being tortured and mutilated. Uh, I mean, 
sometimes, a, you know, there's hard things that I'm going through, but I'm not, people aren't intentionally trying to torture me and mutilate me. And, you know, mm. anyway, you get the way. But <clears throat> it's interesting to me. So I'm lying in a hospital bed 19 years ago. Uh, and uh, they, they'd taken the cancer out. I was catheterized and they were said, okay, we're going to pull the catheter now and, and see if you can pee. Uh, and, uh, and they said, you might not be able to, in which case, well, you'll have to be catheterized maybe for a few months, maybe for life, which neither sounded good to me. Uh, mm. and I didn't know at that moment, we didn't know whether I had a fatal cancer or whether I had, you know, or whether this has been resolved. So I'm lying there thinking, maybe I've got a fatal cancer and, you know, am I going to be, and if they, if they, that cancer keeps going, I'm in trouble because I lost my tailbone, the bone above that and half the bone above that. Uh, to cancer. Well, anyway, uh, the bottom, what I, at that moment, I told the, I thought of Johnny Erickson Tata, mm. you know, Johnny, for those of you that don't know, when she was 17 years old, she's a few years older than me, but when she was 17 years old, she jumped into a lake that, and it was too shallow where she jumped in, hit her head, broke her neck. And she's been a quadriplegic, uh, for the last like 60 years, she's been a quadriplegic. Uh, and I sit there and I go, and I thought of Johnny and who has honored the Lord through that. And I thought, you know what, Lord, <clears throat> I will take whatever comes from you. Yeah. If I've got a fatal cancer, I will take that. Uh, if I can't pee, I could use the word urinate, but let's just be yeah. straightforward here. Uh, if yeah. I can't pee, that's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll honor you. If the cancer comes back and I end up being a paraplegic, I'll honor you. And on and on. Uh, I just said, I honor you. And at that moment, I felt famous. Wow. Uh, because I thought, you know, the father sees me and his angels see me. And even though it's just Jeannie alone and I alone in a hotel room, they see the father sees me. And I felt famous at that moment because you know what? If the father sees me and the angels see me, and frankly, at the judgment, I think we're all going to see these kinds of things that people honored God through suffering. And uh, like I said, at that moment, I felt famous. That's amazing. And, and that was helpful. By the way, so a lot of you may know who Vic, uh, Nick Vojacic is, uh, Chinch. Uh, he's the guy that was born with no arms and no legs. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. Right. And so uh, so here he is, a, a, a small child, born, no arms, no legs, and he needed somebody to help him. And uh, well, what helped him is he read a, he read Johnny's book. Hmm. And he went, wow, there's a gal. She can't move. You know, she has no arms and legs. Uh, and that helped him. It gave him, okay, I can do this. What helped Johnny? So Johnny is some of, you know, I mean, became famous because she started doing art with a putting a paintbrush in her mouth uh, and painting on a canvas. Well, anyway, before that happened, they came up to, they were coming up, helping Johnny through, you know, rehabilitating her. And they'd put a pen in her mouth and say, now you need to write. You need to learn to write. And Johnny says, uh, she spit the pen out and they'd wipe it off and put it back in her mouth and say, now you need to learn to write. Uh, and she spit the pen out again. And uh, she kept doing this. And anyway, they wheeled, this is Johnny on, uh, in an interview with Larry King Live. Uh, Johnny's lying there, uh, or sitting, I guess, sitting up and they keep putting this pen in her mouth. They bring in somebody on a ventilator, also a quadriplegic, but he's also on a ventilator. And they put this pen in his mouth. And Johnny, her own words on Larry King, she goes, and, and when they put this pen in her mouth, she's going, come on, Tom, spit the pen out. Spit it out, Tom, <laughs> spit the pen out. And uh, and she says, but what this guy did 
is he started writing with a pen in his mouth. And Johnny then says, I felt so ashamed uh, because he had it harder than me and he's making it through. And she says, and I just wanted to help him. Wow. So, so anyway, I often, you know, I mean, I think of people tortured to death in the arena. And I mean, yeah. they, sometimes they were burned on fire so slow that it took days for them to die. Uh, and I think, you know what? Uh, they they honored God through this, as it says in Hebrews 11, refusing to accept release. And I thought, I can honor God through this. I can honor God through this too. And Man. and uh, that was in, that's really encouraged me to Jeannie and I, because everybody's going through this. And a lot of people are going through a lot worse than this. Yeah. Geez, that's really good. That's really good stuff. If if people are wondering like where you can find stories of martyrs like that, you can get books by a guy named Richard Wormbrand, Prisoner for Christ. Uh, there's Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's a book called The Martyr's Mirror. It's a, it's kind of an old book uh, about Anabaptist martyrs. Um, there's a book uh, a, a Christian music group put together in the 90s called Jesus Freaks. It's kind of like a retelling of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, are there any other good ones off the top of your head? Uh, that I you mentioned more than I know. I'd yeah. like to even see some of those. So no, yeah. you'd mentioned more than I knew. I, I I like to have those and, and read them periodically because for the same reason, like you know, I I'm like, okay, God, I'm I'm really going through a hard time. I'm trying to lead a church. Ooh, tough things, and then you know, then I read this story about this guy who. He, he wouldn't recant his baptism. And so they ripped his flesh out and chained him to a wagon and drug him to where he, they burned him alive. Like, okay, I'm, my, my suffering is far lower. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's and yet he persevered. Yeah. Right? He did. He, he persevered. persevered in his witness. He did all the way. And, uh, you know, it says at the end of Hebrews 11, some were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might attain a better life. Yeah. And uh, in, in that... By that he meant eternal life, and so I'm just like, you know, if they could do this, uh, I've decided years ago that I'm going to honor God no matter what He throws at me, uh, or throws at me. That sounds too callous. Whatever He allows to come into my life, yeah. that I'm going to honor God through it. And so, um, and and the Lord's watching, and so are the angels, yeah. and so, and I and I and I think humans are all going to see that one day. I've got this really weird theological view. I'm, I'm going to share it with you. It's just a really weird idea. Uh, I, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's an idea that comes to my head about, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he had a resurrected body, right? Unlike any other body in existence, yeah. but his resurrected body still had the scars from his crucifixion. Right. And right. sometimes I hypothesize, I bet there's no scars in the next life on the new earth, except scars that people received as martyrs. And oh, I think they're, they're going to be like tattoos. They're going to be like, the, wow, look at that, you know? <laughs> I think that's probably true, Jeff. I, I share I share your your hypothesis. I yeah. share your. I think I think you're probably right. I, I think the same thing that the scars that they were given. Well, it depends. You know, I mean, obviously, sometimes people's faces have been terribly sure. disfigured, and yeah. uh, you know, I mean, so I think there's a there's some sort of a some sort of limit line to there, but. But th that being said, I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if people had scars that they were given. Uh, because of their being faithful to Jesus. Yeah. Um, let's just think about th the future for a minute. You know, people have a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen a year from now? What's my life going to be like? Am I ready? Uh, you've got to be thinking about tomorrow quite a bit right now. What, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, it's easy to think about tomorrow 
And there are sometimes there's things you need to think about tomorrow because you need to plan for it. And that's okay. But one of the things, you know, as Jesus said, don't be anxious for tomorrow for tomorrow, be anxious up for yourself. And Jesus also said, who can add an hour to span a life by worrying about it. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I've realized over the years is that I don't know what the future is. Uh, and that seems like kind of an obvious point, but for instance, just take this right here. Uh, I didn't know whether I would be able to have this conversation uh, when this was first discovered five months ago. I thought, man, if this cancer keeps just raging through my body, I don't know, are they going to stop it? Am I going to be able to have a conversation like this? I really thought there was a very, very high probability that I wouldn't have any hair wow. uh, and that I was going to be very sick. Um, and none of those things happened. And I'm on chemo, yeah. but none of those things happened. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and one of the lessons to that is I, you don't see, we worry. I'm going to, yeah, what's it, what would it be like if I lose my hair or if I, you know, I mean, all of a sudden I'm in a wheelchair or all of a sudden, you know, and those things might happen to me one day. They might. Uh, but I've realized that you don't, you honestly don't know the future. And so to sit there and go, Oh, let me go through various scenarios of the future and how that might turn out. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just focus on today be anxious for today and the things that you have to do today and forget thinking about what might happen tomorrow. Because what, again, a lot of times we worry about things that never occur. So yes. what's the point? Yeah, that's true. Um, I know that you uh, keep a truth journal. I don't know how many of our listeners know that. You keep a truth journal, very specific, not just a journal. It's a truth journal. Uh, tell, tell, tell for who, those who don't know, what is it? And would well, you tell Well, I don't think anybody, I mean, this is just something Gene and I made up. Um, it's funny. We were at an event uh, just uh, went, well, last night. Uh, what night was it? It was last night. Uh, we were at uh, Sean McDowell's and his wife Stephanie's house. And it was interesting because Stephanie was sharing. Uh, we had our MA students were out. And Sean's once a year throws kind of a dessert event for them. And uh, uh, But Stephanie says that Josh McDowell, you know, I mean, she's obviously Sean McDowell's, Josh McDowell's uh, son, and Dottie is Josh's wife. And Dottie, and 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 boy, I'll tell you, I talk about a long-time relationship. Stephanie and Sean uh, started, you know, I mean, they've been together. I've known each other and had some sort of a relationship since the third grade. Oh, wow. Uh, but but anyways, once they became, you know, an item, which was not too long, I mean, they've been, they've been together for many years. Um, Dottie told Stephanie's telling me this. Dottie told Stephanie, keep a history uh, of what you're going through. And she calls it a history, not a truth journal. And what it is, is you put down, and I encourage everybody to do this. And I've been doing this for years, put down hard things that you've gone through and where you're right in the midst of it. And then when you're delivered from it, put down the, how God delivered you from those hard things. Uh, we call that a truth journal. And along with, we also, in our truth journal, we have a section where we just, God loves us. He's all powerful. You know, I mean, and, and the things that I've already said, everybody's going to go through this, that these are truths. But one of the most impart, important parts of this uh, are talking about remembering where I've been delivered from, uh, gone through a hugely hard time and then been delivered. I mean, it took me 23 years to get my book, Why Does God Allow Evil, published. And I was so 
frustrated with that for a long time. I, I must have sent it to 20 publishers and wow. they, everybody's turning me down. I think I sent it to Harvest House four times uh, before they published it. And But I'm so thankful that the Lord didn't publish that earlier mm. because I had things I needed to learn. Uh, I, I mean, I'm really thankful uh, that that they didn't publish it earlier. Really thankful. I thank yeah. God. It, people wouldn't, you know, when I first wanted to have it published, it would have just been, you know, a few people would have read it and gone, oh, it's not very good. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just one example. When I uh, left Biola full time, uh, I was wondering, how am I going to make ends meet? And that was a very tense time for us. Well, people stepped up and said, you know, hey, we want to help support you and your ministry. And and then it was during uh, COVID. And, uh, you know, I had to, I was 64 when I last was employed by Talbot. Uh, and I needed another year to get this uh, Medicare. Well, the next, so I had to buy or pay for COBRA, which was about 650 bucks a month. Mm. And here I don't have a job, $650 a month for COBRA. Uh, well, it turned out because of COVID, the government paid for my COBRA. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I could go on and on. I'm not going to do that because it's not about me. But I just encourage everybody watching this to start when you go through something hard or even remember back to hard things that you've gone through where you, wow, that was really hard and list them down and then list how God has de delivered you through them. And like I say, Jeannie and I call this a truth journal. And mm -hmm. it was interesting that Dottie McDowell, Sean's wife, I mean, uh, Josh's wife, and then, you know, their daughter, you know, daughter-in-law, Stephanie is, is they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Keeping a remembrance of how the Lord has delivered us from hard, through hard times. I do something really similar. Uh, mine's a, a prayer journal. A lot of people talk about prayer journal, like they'd write these lengthy things. I, my, mine's not lengthy. It's, it's just a way for me to not be right. losing focus with my ADD, <laughs> right? I go, all right, God, you know, this thing happened, whatever. My car broke down and I need $600 to fix it. I don't have the extra money right now, Lord. I need your help. And, and so I, I, and I date them with my issue. And so it's really fascinating to me because I pull up my prayer journal and the previous two, three, four pages might, that none of them say answered yet. I, I put answered on them in red when God answers the prayer. And there's no answered on the previous two, three pages. But then as I start to scroll back, you see answered, answered, answered. And then you get back five, six pages, which are things that I've been praying for for months. And it just, it just starts to go answered, answered. Everything is answered. It's all right. read for 200 right. pages. Right. And it's like, right as we persist in prayer, like Jesus taught us to, like God really does answer. I think I've got yes, 200 some pages and like almost every one of the prayers is answered. There's, there's a small right. handful that God didn't answer. And quite honestly, when I look at the ones he didn't answer, I'm kind of like, I'm glad he didn't do that <laughs> uh, for the most part. Uh, yeah, but, sure. But well, one of the prayers that he didn't grant me, you know, I was a pastor many years ago uh, and then I ended up working in insurance for about 14 years. And I'm sitting there going, what am I doing in insurance? I want to be a pastor. Hmm. Well, at the, at the end of about 14 years, when I got cancer, in fact, 20 years ago, uh, I actually became the, the month. In fact, that uh, I started being employed part-time as a, as a professor uh, 19 years ago. In fact, it started the week after I, uh, got out of the hospital. Wow. Uh, I was only, only doing a little bit, but, but then that keep, kept growing. And pretty soon, you know, I'm a full-time professor at Talbot school of theology for 16 years. Yeah. And, and here's the funny thing. 
I thank God that he didn't make me a pastor. I am so <laughs> thankful because it turned out I like being a professor better That's than good. being a pastor. That's and good. so, you know, so there's just another, you know, we could go on and on, but I yeah. just thank God for the various things that he's. And so I encourage everybody start writing this stuff down. Actually, Jeff, I also, I, my bigger thing is a prayer journal. I have a mm. prayer journal like you do where I, and I put the date on it and I just kind of, and I put the list out real quick when I'm talking to the Lord about. So. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that's a lot longer. The truth journal is just the highlights of the big things that he's done for us. That's good. Um, you've, you've got all these troubles happening. Um, you said, you know, don't think too much about tomorrow. That requires a certain level of like concentration or how do you keep your mind off of your problems? How do you not just soak in it? Well, you know, uh, one of the things is, is that uh, God works everything out for our good. And this is one of the most important points for Jeannie and I. In fact, we said it to each other today. Uh, remember, of course, everybody's familiar with Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He works everything out for good. Yeah. And, and in, in relationship to the truth journal, uh, you know, I mean, we realize, Jeannie will say to each other, I'll say, or she'll say to me, God has always worked every hard thing out for our good and Jeannie will reply everything and I'll mm. say always <laughs> and we said that e to each other even this morning that God works everything out for our good always, always. every hard thing God works out for our good that's one cool. way or another and that always happens and like I say as you mentioned Jeff it may take a while yeah. like when it came to writing publishing my book Why God Loves Evil it took 23 years yeah uh, and then I look back and I go, thank you that you didn't publish it sooner. Yeah. Uh, but but so anyway, we just remind each other of, you know, God works everything out for our good. That's good. And I, I'll just add, we, we only got about five seconds left here, 10 seconds, but and that's for those who love him. You know, if, uh, if anyone's listening, yeah. get out to truthrevolution.tv. You'll hear the rest of this interview. Revolution. All right, now we're back just with the, the YouTube and our, our podcast, our truthrevolution.tv listeners, uh, not on the radio anymore. But but I want to remind people that that's for those who believe, right? God works everything out for good for those who believe. Well, right, he's not he's not working things out for good for the lost. Yeah, and so... The lost, you know, I mean, it's the old, you know, uh, life sucks, but I need the bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no, there's nothing working out for good. Yeah. Um, and the ancients, ancient philosophers did not believe that suffering was of any value to you at all. They surely didn't think you were in any way wiser or holier or whatever because you'd suffered. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't think it was any good, that suffering does any good. And so, but we Christians go, if you really are in Jesus, then he's working everything out for your good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so how, how does uh, suffering here honor God, and how does that relate to our eternity? Well, yeah, that's a big one, um, and it's a very important one to me. Uh, at the outset, by the way, let me say, before I get specifically into answering that, yeah, uh, somebody wrote a blog uh, years ago saying, God will, some, will, will give you more than you can handle. And then I did a blog, I think, entitled Rejo Rejoinder on Will God Give You More Than You Can Handle? 
uh, I think that what he wrote was false. Uh, and I think he didn't know, frankly, what he was talking about. I, I didn't mention him in my blog, so it's not like I'm, I'm putting this guy down, but he, he, he'd missed it. But see, what he says is, well, you know, I mean, you may be crying your eyes out. And so that's not, you know, I mean, that's not handling it. I've got, no, that's, that's false. Yeah. You can honor God while crying your eyes out. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that you're, don't cr- grumble or complain. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus wept. Um, and uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the scripture said, and just about to be crucified, the scripture said that, his, the sweat was coming off of him like great drops of blood. Yeah. yeah. That and that's such an interesting thing to have that being recorded. That sweat looked like great drops of blood because that is actually an actual medical condition called hematidrosis, uh, where you're you know I mean under immense stress your blood vessels can break into your sweat glands and the sweat can come out as blood. Yeah. Jesus was stressed, and I think that uh, I think sometimes people have this false notion of what it means to be, um, you know, I mean, that you, that if you're going to walk with the Lord, that you're not going to be, you're not going to feel stressed. That's, Jesus was stressed. I mean, to where his sweat was coming off him like great drops of blood. So that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, just, just, so, and like I say, you can be crying your eyes out and still saying, Lord, this hurts, but I honor you. That's through really it. good. You can do that. Uh, so, but, and now, to the gist of your question, mm-hmm. honoring God through suffering proves that we are worthy inheritors of his kingdom. And I I can't emphasize the significance of that enough. And let me, I'll just give you one passage. Second Timothy chapter, or second Thessalonians rather, chapter one, verses four and five says, therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions you are suffering. Now listen to this next verse, verse five. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Mm-hmm. Notice he says the fact that you are being steadfast in your faith while you're suffering affliction or whatever, persecution, whatever you're suffering, this is evidence of God's righteous judgment about you, that mm. you really are worthy of the kingdom of God. Uh, and it, in fact, that's what it says in the next sentence, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you were also suffering. Evidence to who? Well, I don't think it's really evidence to God because the Lord, he knows everything. Uh, he knows our hearts. He's not a, he, It's not evidence to him. Well, who's it evidence to then? It's evidence to other humans. It's evidence to angels. Yeah. At the judgment, when we stand up at the judgment, and it's revealed that we were willing to suffer for the sake of the Lord, immense hardship, uh, that proves that we're worthy inheritors of his kingdom. Wow. Uh, how? What could be greater than that? It reminds uh, me of Peter, and, you know, when he was arrested and then they eventually got let out and, and they rejoiced that they were considered worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. Right. Yeah. That's exactly the, that's exactly, it's another good verse to throw at that because that's exactly right. They're considered worthy and people go, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. And, and, you know, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to not live a low profile witness. We need to be telling people about Jesus and not go, well, you know, they probably heard the gospel and I don't want to upset anybody, so I won't say anything. 
Well, you know, if you you can live such a low profile witness that I don't think you show yourself as a worthy inheritor of God's kingdom. Wow. And and that's a bad thing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when I was working in the insurance industry, we had a, a small group of us met for lunch once a week uh, off campus because the, the, the company wasn't going to have us uh, host a Bible study on their on, <laughs> in one of their rooms. But we met and there was a park next door and we went over to it and we did that for a long time. And a lot of us were very open about being Christians. But it was interesting. After we did that, uh, after I left and, and you know, f- Facebook comes along, I was shocked at how many people that I worked with uh, self-identified as Christians that they never did when I was working with them. And it's like, you never said a word. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had a clue that you were a Christian. But now you're saying you're a Christian. And honestly, though, because they kept it so low profile, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, even though now they say they are, I'm not sure they are Christians. And yeah. I mean, in the, the sense of really born again, trying to do God's will Christians. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying they're not. I'm not the judge here. I'm just saying I'm not sure that that's the case. It is a good question, though. I've heard someone before said, uh, if you were put on trial for loving Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> Well, yeah, that that's a you know that's that is good and and it's so true, uh, you know um, that would I mean and if you get up to heaven and the Lord's you know you say Lord Lord and He says well you know I never knew you you never stood up for me you never took the chance of being hurt for me uh, you know I think yeah. uh, you need to reexamine your life uh, and 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 instead of just like I say, a low profile witness flying under the radar witness. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to do anything that gets anybody upset. And so I think that you, you really need to rethink that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so you know, with your, your cancer diagnosis, I mean, this, this is potentially fatal. Um, you, you don't know what's going to happen. What encourage, what encourages you and, and your wife, Jean E., who's also written lots of great stuff, uh, what, what encourages both of you about the future, knowing that you, you may not survive this? Well, one of, this is one of our talking points that we say to each other, and we've said, especially when things are dark, really dark, you know, because sometimes the news you go, wow, that's not good news. Um, we say, we're going to be together forever mm. and ever and ever. Uh, we're, we are co-inheritors with all of the saints of the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to live forever and ever and ever. And I find the trouble is, Jeff, and you said earlier that you're you're trying to get Christians, people in your congregation to think more about heaven, yeah, uh, about eternity, yeah, uh, eternal life in God's kingdom. Um, I, I just, that's the biggest lack among Christians today, at least in the Western world, is they don't think about eternal life hardly at all. That's so true. Uh, in in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 17, Jesus begins, as, or the scripture says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And the Lord said to them, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Then listen to this. This is a key verse. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's right. Wow. Uh, look, if you're not to rejoice over the ability to command about powerful spiritual beings that can take the strongest of men and turn them into a pretzel if they want to, mm-hmm. if you're not supposed to be rejoicing in that, how much less should you be rejoicing in 
the job that you have, the money you make, your 401k, the size of your breasts or your biceps or whatever. Don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of life. What? Rejoice. Then this is a refocusing. Uh, Instead, our rejoicing should be that we have eternal life. And Gina and I, before we go to bed every day, by the way, um, uh, we quote a passage to each other or quote a passage. And then we pray together uh, before we go to bed every single night. And here's one of our favorites, especially during this time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I think it starts with verse 16. It says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Uh, For this slight, listen to this, for this slight momentary affliction, whatever you're going through, including cancer like I have, this slight momentary affliction, it's slight momentary, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Amen, yeah. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm. And I, I I, think that's right on the money. And notice, honor God through suffering, and it's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And, you know, the all comparison is really important. Paul's not using hyperbole there. He's saying that to compare, even if you suffered for 100 years here, or like Johnny Erickson Tata, I don't know how old she is, I think she's probably 70, uh, have been a quadriplegic uh, your most of your, well, your entire adult life. Um, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but she honors God through it. Compared to eternity, which is forever and ever and ever and ever uh, and ever and ever and ever, um, it, that's it's it's like it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, it, you can't compare the two, and that's Paul. Paul's not being that's not hyperbole. Saying you yeah. really can't compare the two. And Jeannie and I, and I, I tell people this. And a lot of people are going, well, well you're not going to be married in heaven. No, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to remember yeah. all the things that Jeannie went through and I went through here. Sure. Uh, all the precious times and the hard times. That, that doesn't mean I'm not going to remember them. I'm not, as G.K. Chesterton put it, I'm not going to be stupider in heaven than I am here. Yes. Um, and, uh, but I can spend, just to, so people understand how long eternity is, I can spend an entire eternity with just Jeannie without reducing by one moment anything else I want to do. Yeah. I can spend an eternity with Jeannie. I can exp- spend an eternity with any other saint. I can spend an eternity with and it with uh, learning stained glass. If I wanted to do stained glass, yeah. um, I could spend an eternity doing that without reducing by one second the amount of time that I have to do anything else I want to do. Yeah. And by the way, I just would remind everybody, and heaven is most often compared to a banquet in the Old and New Testaments. So uh, anyway, it's that's that's the ultimate truth. That's, uh, that's you know, the ultimate truth. I asked my wife one time, I said, hey, in the next life, do you want to like hang out for 100,000 years? And she looked at me and goes, I think I'll have better things to do. <laughs> oh, there you go. But uh, hey, By the way, I don't see your face anymore. I just see Revolution Church. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think our, our webcam might have just died, but as long as you can hear me, we're okay. I can hear um, you. All right. Sounds good. Um so that's good. You know, just last last thought before we go, um, just real briefly, like what what do you think Christians should do to prepare for the crisis before? I think it they need to uh, they need to abide in God's word, mm. and I don't think that doesn't mean read a few verses here and there. I mean, really take it in, really abide in it. Uh, everybody loves the verse, 
are the saying, you, you will know the truth and your truth will set you free. Before that, in John 8, 31, John, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you really are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Mm. Uh, and so that's my, uh, you need to have the word in you so that when hardship comes, uh, you'll know how to respond to it. And it wouldn't be bad if you read my book on why God, why does God allow evil? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, that that's the big, that's the only real, that's the biggest word. I could say a lot, but that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. And I think uh, my, my last question, probably yes or no, no answer from you. Uh, having gone through everything you're going through now, is everything you've written in those books still true? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right. I don't. Uh, I, I you know I don't take back one word of anything I've written. Amazing. Uh, all of it. All of it. All of it works. All of it. You know. I mean, is livable, and uh, indeed I'm living it now. Right. And so yeah, I don't absolutely. Clay's books are available on Amazon. Uh, I've got them if you want to borrow them. <laughs> uh, why does God allow evil? and immortal uh, why the fear of death drives us all great stuff clay thanks so much for being here today i really appreciate your wisdom pleasure is always to be with you jeff all right take care